This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. In Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read a few more verses there, where we see where Paul kind of reminds us, he kind of flips it slightly and says, this is what God's done, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about our responsibility as well, and how we will see how God works together with us. It's not all about how, what we have to do, but we do see that there is some responsibility that we have to uh, take on board and take, well, take responsibility. So Philippians chapter 2, from halfway through verse 12, we'll read... Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. So here's Paul continuing on his theme of being joyful, continuing on his theme that we should actively look for reasons that we can rejoice and reasons to be grateful and thank God for. But he's also talking about the Christian life, how that we need to make an effort to get the best we possibly can out of the Christian life. It's not just Hooray, I'm a Christian, I'm forgiven. That's, that's marvelous, that's wonderful. Never forget that. But now it's time to move on and move forward in living for Jesus and getting the most out of the life. A life that is only about potential is a, is a wasted life. You don't want to die with unfulfilled potential. If you've got skills, abilities, you want to fulfill that potential. You want to live the best life you can. You might never be rich or famous or whatever. That's not what life's about. It's about being significant in our lives, but we don't want to live with unfulfilled potential. So Paul's saying, do your best and really work at this to get the best out of life. So a couple of points here. First of all, I believe there's joy in working hard. Someone said, hard work never killed anybody. That's not true, right? Because people are given hard labor and they don't survive it. So hard work can kill you, right? Okay, but what you mustn't do is spend your life trying to avoid hard work. Because hard work is good and hard work achieves something. And you know yourself if you work at family life, you work in your job, whether you're self-employed or employed by or an employee of someone else, that's beside the point. You know that if you work hard, you get the most out of life by working hard. So Paul's saying, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So he's saying, look, you've, got, you've received all this. You've received forgiveness, you've received hope, you've received acceptance. Don't waste it. Work hard to show to others how amazing God is. 
Work hard to fulfill your potential. Work hard to live up to everything you should, li- should be doing. Work hard to bring glory and honor to God. So my life is not just about me and what I get out of it. It's about other people and it's also about bringing honor and glory to God. So I've got to work at that. We all have to work at that, showing the results or the fruit, if you like, of our salvation with reverence and fear, it says. Now, when you talk about reverence and fear, that's often misinterpreted to think we should be terrified of God. That's not what it means. It, should, it means that we should acknowledge who he, who he is and, and absolutely put him first. It doesn't matter being terrified in a corner. And when it talks about reverence, it doesn't mean some sort of somber sort of, uh, sort of uh, persona, so, some kind of somber attitude where we're just kind of very, very quiet in that. That's not what reverence is about. It's about due respect to God. But in all of that, be joyful. So in all of that hard work, in all of that uh, honoring God, in all of that being reverent to God, in all of that like, having acceptance of who God is and acknowledging all of that in our lives, there is joy in that. There is joy in hard work. There is joy naturally when you do a job, you've worked hard, there's joy in the satisfaction of knowing you've done a good job. There's joy even when you do a small, small bit of DIY at home, you think, no, I've not done a bad job there. There's joy in that. There's yeah. benefits to other people. When we work hard, you work hard in your job. And, and, you know, there's a joy in a job well done. So there's joy in hard work. Hard work hasn't got to just be a, a, an endurance. It can be much, much more than that. We can have the effort to produce the fruit in our lives, but we do produce something good. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now, the will of God and obeying God in our lives is is quite an interesting idea. It's an interesting concept because most people would think, "Well, I've got to, I've got to look after myself. I've got to do, I've got to get something out of life. I've got to enjoy myself." And and, and see, the whole point is, the whole thought here is, by giving yourself to God and living for God, doesn't mean you actually lose out. I believe you actually benefit, we benefit, we gain more than we could. A life lived for God is better than a life lived for self. A life lived in service for God helps us to, re- to achieve the full potential that we've got rather than just looking at our own needs, our own desires, our own expectations. But by giving our lives to God, He does more with them than we could ever do with them ourselves. So sometimes you think, well, if I want to do God's will, what do I get out of it? And it's a fair question. It's a reasonable question. And I want to say it's not about what you get out of it, but by living for God, you get more out of it than you do by living for yourself. Sometimes you think, well, I'd love to kind of live for God. I love God's will to be all over my life. I love God's will to be first in my life. But frankly, it's a struggle. And I find at times, I find it extremely difficult. I know what I should do. Romans 7 talks about that. You know, a kind of a struggle, kind of a battle that we sometimes have thinking, this is what, how I believe I should live. This is the attitude that I should have. This is what I should do. This is how generous I should be with other people. This is how considerate I should be with other people. This is how I should put God first. But it's a struggle. It's a battle. But actually, 
get back to the Scripture because it shows us that God, while we're working hard, God is working hard on our behalf. God is working with us so that we can achieve all that we've got to achieve. It says this, God, verse 13, God is working in you, giving you the desire, listen to this, and the power to do what pleases Him. So sometimes our desires perhaps would go in a, off in a tangent, go off in a direction that shouldn't be the right direction when we want to live for God. But God is working in us to create the desire in us to live for Him, to do His will. And God's all, also giving us the power to live well for Him. So you say, I can't achieve this. I can't do this on my own. You're dead right you can't. But with God's power, you can. And with God at work in us. So as we're working hard, it's not like in isolation, it's all down to you or it's all down to me. No, it isn't. It's actually, we're working in partnership with God that's working hard within us so that we're creating a desire to do what pleases him, at the same time giving us the power to do that. Paul said, you know, the good I I would do, I don't do. So Paul's the same as as me and you. He finds the frustration sometimes in knowing what he wants to do and can't achieve it, but then he, he kind of, the lights come on, and he realizes that God is actually actively working on our behalf at the same time. So yes, I haven't got the strength. I can't achieve it on my own. No, well, the sooner you realize that, the better. But here's the good news. God is actively working in you, for you, for your good, to create a desire to please Him and to do His will in your life. The way the NIV puts it like this, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good pleasure. To will and to act. We all know before we ever actually do something, Generally, there has to be desire to want to do it. Now, if you wanted, you know, if you looked, open the windows, uh, no, you wouldn't open the windows, open the curtains this morning, you'd see the horrible rain, but there was a desire in you to want to come here and gather together to worship God. There was a desire there. Now, that's, not, that's just not suddenly happened. That's something that God's placed in your heart, to want to come and worship Him. So you see how it works, and then you have the power to get here. Now, that might have been a challenge or, or otherwise, and, you know, some people have battled with umbrellas, and many umbrellas were sacrificed this morning on the way to get here. Uh, absolutely. But you wanted to be here. There was a desire, and you had the inert power to do that, but it's actually what God's creating in us. So when you think, how can I live well for God? Well, that's, if you're asking that question, you've already got the desire to do that. And the good news is, because you've God's created that desire, He's working to do that, He's also given you the power to do it. Will you make mistakes? Absolutely. Will there be times when you won't be the best you possibly can? Yes, unfortunately, that's true for all of us. But there's something going on inside you that's not just about you. But when we cooperate, when we work hard, there is great joy in that because knowing we've got that assurance underlying that God is actively at work within us. It's, it's dynamic. It's an incredible message. Bible puts this verse this way. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give you the, him the most pleasure. Wonderful. So here's the thing. I want to live honor. I want to live a life that honors and brings pleasure to God. 
principally that's my heart's desire to, to please him and to serve him. So we're, right, we're on the same page. Me and God, and you and God, we're on the same page because God is actively at work in you to do that. God's power is there. That energy is in you that God's placed by His Holy Spirit. So it's not about just about me. It's not just about my struggles. It's about what God is doing on the inside. When you become a Christian, well, almost we should put a sign around our neck which says, Under New Management. Because it's no longer about me. It's about Him. And you know, sometimes when you're driving and you go past a shop or something that's got a sign in under new management, that's not necessarily impressive to me because I might have liked the way it was. Or I might think, oh, was it rubbish? I thought it was all right. So it makes you think. But actually, if we are under new management, if Jesus is Lord of our lives, how we act has to be different. Because we're not under new management. We're we're, we're still self-employed, <laughs> in a sense. No, we need to be under new management. And you know, you can have another sign, work in progress, and God's not finished with me yet, and all this kind of stuff. They're all a bit twee, but that's what's going on. God's at work in you. I'm not the guy I would love to be, but I hope I get a bit closer all the time to who God wants me to be. But I, I am actually a work in progress. But providing there is progress, it's okay. So relax in that and don't think, oh, you know, I've, I've messed up this week. That's it. It's over. It's not over. It's not over. God's still at work in you. Get back to the point and say, God, I'm sorry. Give me strength. Enough we go again. But there's hard work involved in being a Christian. There's hard work in serving Jesus. But God is at work in us. God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's not forcing you to do something you don't want to do. God doesn't work like that. But he creates a desire in you so you begin to want to honor him and worship him. In a gathering like this, in your job, in your family, wherever that might be, but there's a desire that God creates and his power is in us to help us to do that. I just love that, that God is at work in me. And you know, there's joy in being together and working together. Because when we're thinking about working hard, we're actually not in isolation because we work hard together. In this gathering we call Life Church, we're working together. So as we work hard, hard together, God is working on our behalf as a community, so individually and collectively. That's demonstrated by the fact that every Sunday this doesn't just happen. There's a lot of people that make this gathering happen. For example, last week there were 63 different people serving just for one Sunday. 63 different people. Now you might think, where were they? Well, they were were at the car park, they were at the welcome team, they were on the worship team, they were the kids, they were serving communion, they were taking the offering, so on and so on. 63 different people. So that's what it really looks like. It's not about one person who comes and opens the door and switches the lights on and off we go. It's 63 people. 
So that's fantastic, but that's hard work. But that hard work, there's joy in that hard work, because for every one of those 63 people, and however many it is this week, and half of them will be different people this week than last week, so actively involved, there are many, many people just on a Sunday, and then many dozens more doing other things that are not happening on a Sunday. But this joy when they see what actually happens. When the presence of God is with us as it always is, when we had a great service last week, yet there's joy in that because there's joy in that hard work of working together, knowing that God does what He does. He shows up, His Holy Spirit is amongst, is, is with us, lives in us, so and God is actively at work. But when we work, He works at the same time. So I'm not talking about striving. I'm not talking about, you know, um, gritting my teeth, I can do this. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about consistent, faithful, working hard to be everything that God's called us yeah. to be. And as we do that, God is also at work in us on our behalf, creating a desire and giving us that power to live for him. And he delights in our progress. You know, we heard again, God rejoices over us with singing. It's just an incredible thought that we heard last week. It's amazing that God would do that. But yeah, God's delighting in that because he thinks, this is working. I'm working. This is God working. They're working. And it's producing something fantastic and beautiful. So God is actively in work in you and me. So it's not just about my effort, but it does require my dedication, my commitment, my effort as well. And when we give that as an offering, if you like, God is also at work in us at the same time. So there's joy in hard work. So don't complain about, this is hard work, this, this is tough. That's okay. There's joy in that. It's producing something. There's fruit from that. It's a good thing. And God has given us the power to do that, to do what pleases Him. So there's joy in working hard. And also there's joy. Joy is for living. Now I like that. I love that. And that's a big part of what I'm trying to communicate with this series. There is joy for living. Joy is for living. Stop enduring and enjoy. And like I said the other week, you know, yeah, there are times when we've got to kind of just kind of keep going and life's tough and there's, there's challenges all around and everywhere, you know, we're kind of dominated by difficulty and challenges. We have times like that. But don't just endure, enjoy. Enjoy the life. Because we only get the one, let's, let's, we may as well enjoy it. If it's got the option of uh, being miserable or joyful, uh, let's go for joyful. Yeah. Let's do what we can. And that doesn't mean we'll laugh uh, when, when things are, are not good. It doesn't mean we deny that we've got problems or difficulties. It doesn't mean that. But we've actually decided in spite of or in the midst of that, we are going to be joyful. So that's what I'm working on. And I want you to join me in working on that. And he goes on to say in verse 14, Do everything without complaining and arguing. So that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives, children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. It's quite diverse, that. But when you think about it, do everything without complaining and arguing. We could directly relate that to, well, in church, let's not complain and argue. But I would like to suggest that as Christians, we need to be the type of people that live lives without complaining and arguing. 
Now, if you go to a restaurant and you get very bad service, it's okay to say, excuse me, this is not really what, I, what I'd anticipated. But you don't have to be objectionable about it. This, you can make... You can say, you know, we need to talk about this or whatever. We don't have to be objectionable. If you think, I know my rights and no, I'm not going to suffer fools gladly. And this, that, no, that's not the attitude of a Christian. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I'm not looking for an argument, right? I'm not a pushover, but I'm not looking for an argument. And that's how we should live. In all sorts of situations, in your normal day-to-day life, there'll be opportunities for you to be argumentative or say, well, hang on a minute, what is this going to achieve? Somebody once said, you can win an argument and lose a friend. So I'd rather keep the friend. I'd rather win the friend. So it's so practical, the Word of God. It's absolutely practical. Don't be a pushover. But let's be more accommodating to people that was reaching people. So do everything without arguing and complaining. There's joy in being a reasonable person. There's joy in being a nice person. There's joy in being nice to the person who serves you at the checkout at Asda, Sainsbury's, Tesco, other supermarkets are available. Wherever it is, is, there can be joy even in that. Be nice to the person that's serving you, even if the queue's long Whatever, even if they won't take your tokens or you can still, <laughs> we can be, do it without arguing and complaining. Talks about living clean. I don't know that that needs spelling out. Live innocent without fault. Live brilliantly because this kind of living that's described in verse 14 and 15 is actually very, very attractive living. And when it talks about a crooked and perverse generation, if you live well and you live an honest life and a good life, you will shine bright in your community. We're not just talking about four walls. We're talking about wherever you will be tomorrow morning in your work, education, or whatever you're doing, you can shine bright there. You will stand out if you're a good God-fearing person. You will stand out if you're honest. You'll stand out if you polite, you will stand out if you are reasonable with people. That's what this is about. There is joy in living well. We will be, the gospel is good news. So Christians, carriers of the gospel, should be good news. People who you work with should think, I'm glad they're on my team. Just a thought. Should be. Should be. There's joy in living and living well and bringing honor to God. Message Bible puts it, be energetic in your life of salvation. I want to be energetic in my life of salvation. You know, I, I, God, give us as much energy as I possibly can. I'll ignore the advancing years. I'm going to be energetic and full of joy in what God has told me to do. There is joy in living. God shows us how to live well and there's joy in in that. Next one is there is joy in pouring. Paul said, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. So Paul's joy came from pouring. I probably should just get a volunteer and illustrate. Would you like to be the volunteer? No. Uh, There is joy in pouring. And Paul's kind of using the analogy that your life, 
is like, like a drink offering. You're pouring this out. Now, those of you last, who were here last week, Bryony illustrated the fact that it's not about a glass half empty or a glass half full or a glass... Yeah. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about overflow. And it's an incredible thing. But you know what I've discovered in my life is the more I pour out to others, the quicker I get refilled myself. It works. This, this absolutely works. Now, there are times when, when you've been pouring out and pouring out and giving to all people, you get tired and fatigued. And you do need to wait on God. You need to take time for God to minister to you till you get filled back up. You do need to take a rest. You do need to take a holiday. You know, we need to do those things to look after ourselves if we just pour and don't receive anything in. But the, the miracle is definitely in the pouring. The miracle is not in the waiting to be filled. The miracle comes in the pouring. When Jesus uh, did his first ever um, miracle, when he turned the water into wine, just so Christians could argue about that for, the, for 2,000 years. I don't think that was the reason. But When he did that first miracle, turning the water into wine, I actually believe that it only became wine when they started to pour. Because you've got to act on faith. Faith. And so it's like next week when we give, the miracles in the giving, in the pouring. The miracles in the fact that when you give, God gives us back. Now, it's important to to say that God is no man's debtor. And and there's a lot of... That means a lot of things. I'm just going to pick on one for the moment. Because we give financially doesn't mean that God owes us something back at all, right? So I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that. What I am saying is what I have found in my life, in my experience, is that when I do give, I do get it. God, God meets my need. God meet, actually makes what I've got left go further. I don't know how that works, but I do know it does work. And there are many people in this room who could, or, who could testify to that. But I, and I found that it's amazing how when I give, God meets needs in my life in ways I hadn't anticipated. Yeah. But you only know that when you do it. Yeah. And so when it comes to pouring your life into other people and being uh, kind and compassionate to people and, and spending time with people, it's kind of like, well, if I spend time with that person, I'll have less time for myself. If I give some of my emotions to that person, you know, I'll kind of never get that back. The amazing thing is, you do. The miracle is in the pouring. When you give, you get back. Forget the financial illustration for a moment. Just forget that. When you give of your time and of yourself, it comes back to you. Because there's joy in that. There's joy in, in, in giving to others. There's joy in sharing your life with other people. It's, it's amazing. And Paul illustrated it as a, as a drink offering, like he's, like he's pouring out his life. And, you know, you'd already said, you know, a couple of weeks ago in, the last, in chapter 1, you know, if, if for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So he says, if I pour out my life, then that's okay because I've, I've done something with my life. I'm not kind of trying to retain it. And the, 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 beauty, the, the great thing is when you pour, you get more, more in, in, in return. So 
so it, you kind of, if your life kind of fills up again. But if you don't pour, you just you just left with what what you started with, and of course, the greatest resource we have, the most valuable resource we have, is ourselves and our time, because that is actually exhaustible. Because none of us are going to live forever. So when we give time on this world, in, in this life, when we give time to others, in a sense we can't get it back. But it's amazing how God gives us joy in that pouring and gives us so much in return. He said, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. So his pouring was an offering to God. Our faithful service, as I've illustrated how many people are involved in that consistently week by week, that is an offering to God. If you're serving, it's an offering to God. Whether you're on the cleaning team yesterday, that's an offering to God. That is a significant offering to God, as significant as what I'm doing right now, I believe. Because it's not measures of service, it's all about serving. And it's all about giving our lives to bless others and to help others and so on. So whatever that looks like to you, keep doing it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Keep doing it. We're working together. We're in this together. You know, we need church gathered. We need, we, we need life groups on Thursdays so that we can be refilled. We need these things to refill us so that we don't just, you know, wear ourselves out and... and, and, and but we need another filling. We need to receive something. So whatever that looks like, get into the Word yourself and, 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 and get with other Christians. Be refilled so that you can give. There is joy in the pouring. It's a miracle. Finally, there's joy in sharing. I kind of said a bit of this already, I guess. But Paul kind of ends this little bit in verse 17. He says, I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. It's absolutely evident in this book, Philippians, and in the other writings of Paul, that he was passionate for his Savior, but he was also passionate for people. Next week, we'll look at the end of the chap- chapter 2, and we'll see a, a bit more about that. But he, he really was about, it really was about people for Paul. It wasn't about projects. And when we talk about evangelism and, and mission and, and outreach, it's actually about people. It's not about a project. It's not about, I don't know what other word I can, I can use for it. It's, it when we're not, it's, people are not a target. We want to reach and bless people and help people. And we want to share the joy that we have and the joy that's in our heart because of what God's done for us and all that thankfulness and everything else that we've got, it's actually for sharing with other people. When we get that, it makes all the difference because we stop just looking at our own needs and what we get out of what, we, what we're doing. No, we're just going to keep putting in because we know that if we keep putting in, we're just sharing the, the joy and sharing the love of God in our lives and out of that we get far more in return. But it's about sharing with others. There's joy when we share with others. I think it's much greater. You have much greater joy in shared, in a shared experience than you do on your own. I think that when you have prayed for somebody and they get the answer, you get greater joy than if you've just observed that. I believe that if you're praying for someone, let's, let's, for example, all the babies that have been born in our church over the last couple of years, it's just a wonderful blessing. But, you know, a lot of those situations, we've heard people stand on this platform and give testimony to what God has done for them. For, in some cases, 
not possible to have children, but they were stood here with children. And, you know, the, there is greater joy if you've been involved in that life, if you've prayed for that person, if you've supported them through the, the tough times. And, you know, when you see someone being baptized, if you've encouraged that person or reached out to that person, the joy increases. So what I'm saying is our, our own joy will multiply if we share our lives with other people. When we live closed, closed lives and private lives that we don't let anyone else close to us, we miss out on so much joy. But when we give joy to other people, it makes all the difference. It is about people. Joy is for sharing. It's not for holding on to. It's not for keeping to ourselves. It's not about that. And when we think about our, our great uh, dream of our new building, it's actually the joy that we'll have when we open that is multiplied because we've gone through the pain and made the sacrifice to get there. So the joy is greater. And maybe God's just teaching us a lesson on that. Maybe God's just saying, come on, and I want to see how much you really want this. I want to see how much you really believe that the difference this is going to make for this community. You know, we have delays, but they're never denials. God's promises always come through. There's joy in working hard. There's joy for life. There's joy in pouring, and there's joy for sharing. And I want us to get that, that we can multiply this joy when it's not just about us. We can see many things happen when it's not just about us. As the musicians come back, I want us to think about how God can flow this joy into our lives. Yes, there's work involved, but God's working in us. Yes, it's for living, and it's to be enjoyed, absolutely. Yes, it's for pouring, it's not keeping to yourself. And I want you to kind of get hold of this simple illustration that when we pour... God refills. So I want you to make a commitment this morning. Say, well, I'm going to keep pouring my life into other people. I'm just going to keep blessing other people. Whatever that looks like. Some of you can can give people practical advice. Some of you can just pray with someone. Some of you can just invite someone around for a brew and just spend some time with somebody. That's the pouring. Let's not make it complicated. Let's make it simple that we're living collectively. We're living lives that are to be shared. We're not, it's not just about me and mine and what I can get for it. Please, would you stand to your feet? We'll pray. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.